0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Over the holidays and into the new year, we'll still be publishing new shows to keep you up to speed with the NFL playoff race, the NBA, and award season. We've published some great episodes in the month of December, including two rewatchables on Happy Gilmore and The Godfather Part Two. Chris interviewed Watchmen showrunner Damon Lindelof on The Watch, and The Ringer NBA show ranked the top 25 players of the 2019-2020 season so far. Lastly, happy holidays from The Ringer. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Second to last day of this decade. Wow. Can you believe it? I really can't. I have not put a lot of emotional or philosophical thought to it beyond the lists that we've done. I think for both of us, this decade will be, we'll look back. In many years as like probably the most formative just given our ages yeah and wow. so <laughs> jesus this got so deep so fast it is kind of emotional to think about yeah. like i've been thinking about a lot like where was i in 2010 where was i in 2011 and like without getting too personal or dark i've always referred to 2010 as my dark year like my like most unhappy year yeah. so it's only been up since then and it's just sort of like a funny way to like take in like just the really formative time post-college yeah, I was 25 and 26 in 2010. I, I, Listeners, if you are 25 or 26, I just want you to know that you're doing great and also <laughs> that you will figure some things out. And it won't always be this chaotic. And you will have an opportunity in 10 years to look back with a mix of horror and generosity, hopefully, for your younger self. Because I don't really want to think about 2010. My Lord. It was a terrible year. It was dark. That's all. That's That's it. But it's been upward since. However, in this long view of the decade, we've been discussing all these things. Can you, like, believe this happened in the decade? It's a, It really spans a lot both in our personal lives, but also just culture I mean, culture and the world and how we consume it. And, like, we, we were talking a little bit last week about how, in like, the beginning of the decade, we had Instagram, we had Facebook, we had all these things. But the way we use them completely changed yeah. over the decade, and that obviously affects all of our brains in Troubling ways, but also in how we relate to celebrities and who is famous and how they're famous and how they communicate with us and what we expect from them has changed so radically in it, a decade. It's a really good point, and and we've hit this quite a few times on the show, but not in such direct terms. But you know, the rise of social media has really hurt the celebrity profile. So even just coverage of celebrities has hurt. So has changed yeah. so much. Yeah, and a Vogue cover is way more important for the photos while those were always really important. Like, the photos are are the thing with, like, a, like, with a Vogue cover now, mm-hmm. whereas the story itself used to mean a lot more. And right. it's just a totally different landscape. It's really funny. And even, like, thinking about celebrities, like, we even have moved on from, like, Pitchfork, which used to really affect, like, the music industry and yes. all this stuff. Yeah. And just the idea of who is the most famous and why and, like, it used to be that famous people were kind of behind a gate. And like the more, the less you knew about them, the more you wanted to know about them and the more powerful they were. And I think by the end, of, there are still exceptions, you know, or places where that's true. But for the most part, it's like the people who are in front of you all the time and who are giving you things constantly and hold your attention are the most famous people. That's like a, a pretty profound change. It really is. And we're going to talk more about him in a little bit. But one of the things and people that most personifies the radically shifting decade, is Kanye West. And believe it or not, my beautiful Dark Toast Fantasy, which is like one of my favorite albums ever, came out in 2010, this decade. I really can't believe that. I mean, I can when I think about it. I think for us, it's probably the most formative pop album of, maybe not formative, but kind of generationally significant. Like, I think it has like the highest, like a top five high approval rating. Yeah. And it just also is a moment in time of how we were listening to music, how we were related to famous people, how we were all young and that was like the thing that we were all obsessed with. Yeah, and like, I think All of the Lights is a really good example of just sort of like what celebrity was like then mm-hmm. versus what it is now because on on that song, or um, I think it's All of the Lights. Yeah, it has John Legend, Dream, Alicia Keys, Fergie, Kid Cudi, Elton John, Drake, and Rihanna. Yes. And like, those are all such like mega famous people that, You could see that all still happening today, like them like on this song. But all those people have been on an absolute journey over the last 10 years. And it's really funny to think about as like a time capsule. And would it also be the center of culture in the way that it was? That was also such like a monoculture event. Like, you know, even my parents knew that Kanye West had an album and they were like, I don't know about that. You know, but they were familiar with what was going on. I'm really not a rap aficionado, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But, like, Mm -hmm. I think this has aged really well so far. And it's still such an amazing, beautiful, and transportive album. And Yes. I mean, you know, Kanye as a producer has always been his, like, calling card. And this is just—it's his vision. Yeah. And just to think about how we've gone from this event in 2010 to the way that his gospel album kind of was dropped— and then it's like kind of like come and gone very quickly. I still have not listened to Kanye West's gospel album. If you had told I me, I did, it was boring. If you had told me though in 2010 that Kanye would release multiple albums in 2019 and I doing the job that I do or being the person that I am, like wouldn't even need to listen to them, I would have been no. like, you're you're crazy. I know. And like, and in 2016, when right before the ringer.com launched, like we all sat around watching his life in our Life of Pablo, watch, I remember. Yeah, life of Pablo live stream. And it was just like, That was a shit show, and it was just like, like, the event itself was really poorly run. Yeah. The release of that album was really rocky. That was the beginning of the current Kanye West phase, which is extremely sad, in my opinion. But even that, no spoiler to our list, but it does, Life of Pablo spawns, like, one of the most, one of our most significant celebrity moments of the decade, right? Yeah. He's, so still in 2016, he is still, like, in the center of things. Yeah, I know. It's wild how things just—he's he, such an, an interesting barometer of things that have happened it, it's this a decade. a great point. And I think also, like, this was addressed a lot with the him and the Trump stuff, particularly on our website. I think it's a lot of, like, sadness related to Kanye West and how things have changed with him and with celebrity culture over the last 10 years. And that's why he's such a, a useful way to, like, understand the yeah. last 10 years as a celebrity and an artist. Other things that happened early in the decade that's like crazy on the music tip there Adele's 21 came out in the winter 2011. Ridiculous. As discussed on the hottest take it's just incre- incredibly important. And- I know but can you also I would not have said that it's a decade that we have been with Adele even though in many ways it feels like she's been with me always. Sure. You know. Sure. Well how much did you like 19 and how much did you like care about her? The first album chasing pavement is hometown that the glory. one with the Dylan cover yeah make you feel like uh, yes. I really I enjoyed it yeah but it wasn't the sensation that 21 was sure no not at all yeah um chasing or I think hometown glory was an iTunes uh free song of the week back in 2006 and my One of my college roommates and I, me and Claudia, were like obsessed with the iTunes free songs. They would, uh, every Tuesday, they were talking about time capsules. I know, right? I know. And like, we would like go to Starbucks to get the cards to be able to download them. This is amazing. And that's, and we became obsessed with Adele that way. And so we used to joke that we discovered her, but like, obviously, Apple discovered it It and helped break her. And then Starbucks. And then Starbucks. Yeah. And so when 21 came out, we were just like, this is something that we have been like obsessed with as like a duo for a really Mm -hmm. long time. And it was just sort of like, and then and then she just she blew us all away. Yeah. And it's so funny because we discussed it on The hot Take. Like, she's been fairly reclusive as much as one can be as a superstar, but has like a, a generationally defining album. Well, sure. She also just really takes a long time between albums. Like, yeah. the fact that 21, even when we were putting this list together and we put Adele on it, I thought that I was putting 19 on and not 21. But it's 21 that was yeah. this decade. And then she took, what, like four years for—or four or five, even— 25 came out, the first single was in October of 2015, and then the album came out in November of 2018. So, and now we're kind of at the tail end of another four or five years, and hopefully we'll get music soon. Yeah. Adele, I'm waiting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Similar time frame, One Direction. They started on the X Factor in 2011. Doesn't this feel like they've been with us always? I'm just shocked by how old they are now. Like, I can't believe they're, like, basically 10 years older than when we first met them. It makes me feel like really old because I used to feel creepy being like interested in these teenagers, but yeah. now I'm like, well, they're in their twenties. I mean, that's the thing. I can't believe how young they were yeah. when they started. That's yeah. sort of the they were very young. And Harry was dating Caroline Flack. I, I I don't know. I know that she's a TV presenter. Yeah, I mean, that's all you really need to know. She was like a, she was. It's like the equivalent of someone dating like someone in I don't know like the back she was when they when they started dating the equivalent of like Hillary Burton or Lala honestly, when they were on MTV. It's not... No, it's just so insane because he was so young. Yeah. It was rumored, by the way. I shouldn't... I, I'm pretty sure. It was a, a popular rumor. Um, also, just some more music stuff. Miley Cyrus performing at the VMAs and appropriating Black culture. That whole brouhaha and performance was 2013. That feels way longer It me. does. I think part of the reason it feels longer is because we've seen so many Miley's at this point. Like, yeah. she has grown up in the public eye. We have—it's uh, like eight Miley reinventions. So that feels so far away now that I would have assumed it was, like, from a more youthful Miley. But no, it was this decade. Pretty wild. The next one's one of my favorites. Remember when Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart dated? Remember when she had to apologize for making out? Remember with- when that was on the cover of Us Weekly? Yeah. Twilight was, like, mostly this decade. I guess it started last decade. It started, I think, in 07. Okay. But all of the, the movies and them being famous. They're mega fam, really. And they're, them still dating, especially where Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are as, like, cool, famous people now. Absolutely. So the first Twilight came out in 08. New Moon was in 2009. Eclipse, 2010. Breaking Dawn, 1, in 2011. Breaking Dawn, 2, in 2012. Breaking by, Dawn wanted 2, that was a wild ride. Are they bad? I've never seen any of these. They are—I would not call them um, cinema in the Martin Scorsese <laughs> definition. There is something compelling about how strange they are. At least they're, like, weird and interesting. They're kind of like, oh, my God, can you believe that this is happening? Yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. Pretty wild. Kristen Stewart's another fascinating evolution. I would say in some ways she's, like, best-case scenario of a teen star becoming an adult star. Yeah. Getting out of the sort of uh, factory that was Twilight into being doing indie movies and also dating women, which when she was in such a high profile relationship with a man, it's like a hard thing to to evolve into. Like, not to say that she evolved, but just like her public perception. Exactly. And her her comfort and her ability to speak about it. And, Pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. I will. also I mean, Robert Pattinson has also just made a like tremendous evolution from being this the sad Twilight guy to Love Our Paths. Just I love. know, but you know, both of them really had to excise themselves from these franchises that were not taken very seriously, and they were like mega famous to teen stars, and now they're two of the most interesting actors working. And compare that with like Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. Exactly. Like, congrats to them. Yeah, they, they absolutely did it. Exactly. This is a sad one. Yeah, Amy Winehouse. She passed away in 2011, I believe. Yeah. I can't believe it's been almost 10 years. That I really can't either because it does. I I still remember where I was, and it it still feels very recent. Me too. Anyway. So. It is a really it's a it's a bummer. Another that's kind of a bummer for different reasons. The whole Robin Fick experience. Mm, mm-hmm. Also, this decade, blurred lines, I believe, came out in 2013. I think so because I think he was at the Miley Cyrus VMAs for yes, the same he was. same cycle. Yeah, that happened. Great song terrible celebrity yes it is a it is a great song nothing gets a wedding going like that's like a top that's like a top tier wedding song that is true are you feeling any different about the message in 2019 i personally am not but okay as you you know i'm particularly i think i'm feeling conscious hmm. but also i still really like this song how about that I think the other thing is I do not listen to lyrics at all. Me either. Like, I don't know any lyrics, any songs. Me either. Can I—this th- is so interesting. So I I saw Cats. We don't need to go into it, except that one thing I didn't remember is that Cats is all sung. There yeah. are no words. So I had no idea what was happening, yeah. because they just kept singing, and I was like, well, I don't—what are you singing about? I'm not—I can't focus on the words. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's I one of the reasons we both issues. love pop music. Yeah. I but— know. I guess I hadn't even thought about the like sort of post me too reading of blurred lines. Yeah, it's still a bop. Robin Thicke still sucks. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye to him. More, Kim Kardashian, Chris Humphries—they got married this in this decade. I'm married and divorced, of course. I mean, that I was don't, in 2011. I don't want to give them too much credit, but in a lot of ways, this is a Kardashian celebrity decade. Yeah, it is. And and we're going to discuss but, that more. But for that Stella. reason, I can believe that it was this decade. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just he's been out of my mind for a long time. Yeah. God, what a time! A friend of mine got married in Montecito, where their wedding was, a few years later, and they like start had to start their wedding at a certain time because they, there was a noise ordinance put into place after the wedding because people in Montecito were so mad about Kim and Chris. Also, at the time, not enough attention paid to the fact that she married someone with the same name as her mother. True. It's weird. Yeah. Whatever. Um, one more that I feel like we have, we're losing to time, but is worth mentioning. The entire Anne Hathaway at the Oscars phenomenon. She was the host with James, what's his last name? Franco. James Franco. I've nearly erased him from my mind. In 2011. And then she won and gave a slightly deranged speech in 2013 when she won for playing Fantine in Les Mis. Um, it came true. It came true. And then also she, like, gave a speech about, like, women's health, but, like, in a really out-of-touch way. It was just bizarre. Yeah, that was it. She was an early— Women's health and prostitution, to be honest. She was an early example of, you know, now we understand that the, like, internet has favorites, and the internet has uh, trolls, and the internet kind of makes up its own narratives and gangs up on people, and— you're in and you're out and you're supposed to avoid these, but I don't really think we understood it when everyone decided to gang up on Anne Hathaway. Totally. And I really like her. She's a fantastic actor. Fantastic. I love The Intern. Absolutely great movie. Oh my God. The Intern. Also this decade. Also this decade. Wow. A great movie. Yeah. With great clothes. Every single outfit she wears is flames. Amazing Townhouse. You know I'm not into Townhouse Living, but that one I've always really liked. And also was kind of, like, ahead of the curve with, like, the, te- the cool tech startup. Yes. No, and, I think it's a very smart movie. Great movie. I, in At the least wake the of, Anne Hathaway part. Like, I don't really care about Robert De I was say, character. In the wake of the Irishman press tour, I fear that he did it for, like, a paycheck and, like, maybe as a, as a favor to Nancy Myers. I think both of those things are absolutely true, but that's okay. Nonetheless— it's a wonderful movie yeah but um yeah and half that whole she was like the first half of the decade she was like mega famous yeah and then we had to we hadn't done the whole likability Wars yet right. and so she was an early casualty of that yeah. but I think we've come back I'm like I've always been on team Hathaway I'm a half ahead yeah I think also like the Gawker machine really led the anti- anne Hathaway sentiment. They led a lot of things. Her career has outlasted that. And then they didn't. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, On that note, should we get into our most significant celebrity stories of the decade? Let's do it. Um, It's been the long 10 years. So much has changed. I was living in San Francisco 10 years ago. I can't believe it. It's a horrible city. I'm so thrilled I'm not. And such a long time ago, the phrase Conscious Uncoupling came to us. I believe the year was 2013. I think it was twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen? Only because I had to search my email for this momentous email. So the the, the day I received an email about Conscious Uncomplete was March twenty fifth, two thousand and fourteen. Jeez, twenty fourteen. Maybe Gmail is not reporting correctly. No, but I, that's I'm fine. sure I'm sure that's right. This was I just have a very fond personal memory of this. I was working at New York Magazine at the time and was in a newsroom and just started having like a very vocal reaction as if some major news event had happened. But yeah. it was just that Gwyneth Paltrow had sent an email saying that she was getting a divorce and using the term "conscious uncoupling." That was a happier time for, in a lot of ways. I this was ridiculous, and I think we chose this as a stand-in for the Goop phenomenon more generally. And the kind of like the the empire of personality that a lot of female celebrities have embarked upon in this decade. Absolutely, I mean it was it was a definitely an inflection point yeah. in both like Gwyneth Paltrow Industries email marketing. That's true, and, and also like what you could do with your personal brand. Yes, and it's it's a phrase that persists, and it is also like a pretty unusually confessional thing from a celebrity of that magnitude, which a lot of people then did start to, like, the very controlled confessional experience, like, Jordan Woods being a part of that from this year, but more and more really, really famous people have started doing that, and I think this is, this was certainly a major turning point in our relationship to celebrities, I guess. definitely, And just such an incredible turn of phrase. Who do you think came up with that? Well, I think... That it is—it's, like, she borrowed it from one of her doctors that she likes, but she just, like, popularized it, which is another thing. Like, Gwyneth popularizing, like, really kind of bougie nonsense stuff totally maybe that everyone doesn't need in their lives. It has really taken over the city of Los Angeles. There's so much of it. Like, just, like, these ridiculous shops full of, like, serums and creams that are too expensive. And then also, like, a $15,000 skirt, just like the Goop store. Right. And, you know, the concept of wellness and— and spending too much money on wellness and going to a conference for wellness and, like, clean eating and all of this stuff. I don't know that all of it is very good for us. In fact, some of us I think, is actively bad for us. But yeah. it definitely was a thing that happened this decade. Have you ever purchased a Moon, a moon Juice item? Yes, actually. You know what, Juliet? Thanks for asking. Tried to go to Moon Juice last night, actually. I have, like, the allergies in Los Angeles have mm. been really rampant this week. I'm sorry that you all have to listen to this, but I'm going to tell this story. So, and Moon Juice has, like, a oregano oil and ginger and some other, like, stuff shot uh-huh. that I have actually found to be very helpful when dealing with sinus issues. And I was driving by one last night, and I stopped, and I tried to go in. And the door was open, and the person was behind the counter, but it they had closed at 8, and it was, like, 8.20. Oh, God. And he wouldn't sell it to me, and I was like, can I convince you to just sell this to me? I'm not feeling well. It'll help me. And he was like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, there you go, Moon Juice. (laughs) I was going to say, I felt like Moon Juice really had a moment, and now it's passed, and it's because of reasons like that. Yeah, it's over. (laughs) My goodness. Okay, that was number six. We're doing six of the decade because there's so much to pick from. Number five, Will and Kate's wedding, April 2011. It was a really special time. It really was. It's one of my happiest memories of the decade. You watched with your mom? A great day. No, I was in San Francisco. My mom was in New York. We were on the phone the entire time watching. It was very very sweet. That's very nice. I was late to work the next day because I was so tired from being up in the middle of the night for Will and Kate's wedding. But, like, the reveal of Pippa's dress and then the reveal of her dress were just such huge moments that still reverberate and, like, we still talk about. And sleeves, they came back because of Kate Middleton. (laughs) They really did. As The wedding industry, it certainly had, like, ongoing repercussions. I think also just— We talked about the royals a lot this decade, and I talk about the royals all the time. It's like my pet interest, but it does not seem like a decade ago that we were really in the mix. We would just talk about when Prince Harry did something stupid, and this was kind of the new generation of the royal family taking center stage. They became a huge part of the tabloids. People have opinions about all of them. It really started with their engagement, when they did the sit-down interview with the BBC. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And that was like kind of her first... Global introduction, I would say. Yeah. And from there to the wedding, and really almost to a couple of weeks ago when they had, she wore like this big sash and a tiara at like a state event. Mm-hmm. She's really had like a decade long evolution of becoming a public person. Right. And it's kind of a testament to how difficult it is to be royal that it took 10 years for her to like really grow into yeah. it. Yeah. I think also just the amount of attention we focused on them, then obviously transfers to Prince Harry, then transfers yeah. to Meghan Markle, and it just becomes like a whole industry that I don't know how it will resolve itself remains to be seen like I'm very curious in 10 years totally it just felt like such like a, a monumental and historic event that was like fun to participate in mm-hmm. and like similar to the Rebecca Vardy situation like the stakes were low we were just kind of like okay cool this is fun yeah this is a little silly but it's also fun <laughs> yeah and like I think one of the reasons the Olympics are special and there's so few global events that people care about and it was like a pure one Mm-hmm. And it was, like, before there were rumors of Will cheating and all of this stuff. And it was just fun. And it was. Her, and the dresses were great. And it was it was a And the Kate's little girl who had a sourpuss face. Yeah. Just so many great little things about it. Yeah. Great stuff. Next. Argana Grande. Donut gate. When she licked the donuts. <laughs> in when Florida. She, when she licked the donuts and said, I hate Americans. Yes. Yeah. This was so— How far she's come since then. What incredible uh, image recovery. So this is, um, number one, just in terms of people doing—screwing up in public. This technically—I don't think she knew that she was being filmed and that it was going to be taped. But again, just in terms of why did you do that, it's really up there in the decade. To me, also, I feel like this is when Ariana Grande goes from, like, pop teeny bopper star to national sensation— and everything that we have experienced with Ariana Grande since then it is owed to Donutgate. Totally. Because people were like, you know, it was on network news and people were hand-wringing, being like, the young people are licking the donuts. And it's fine. We're not, really. And there was, like, some ridiculous— Fallout from it. For example, she didn't get to perform at the White House as a result of this, (laughs) which I guess isn't ridiculous. If she says, I hate Americans, like, I understand. But not not that I think she meant it and, like, should be persecuted for it in any way, but, like, I kind of get it. And then there was even, like, headlines, like, will she be prosecuted for this? Like, it, it was just so, so insane. It was a really big deal because even it was in 2015. Yeah. Which we obviously had all most of the media stuff that we had now but it was still not as saturated a social media market as it was in 2015 so everyone was talking about it and i think also she had like not one but two apologies because correct. the first apology was not really an apology correct it was it was a mistake i don't think that she would like the donuts again no she definitely wouldn't she's come a long way she's grown up a lot yeah but i think also she was on so many people's radar because this kind of inspires, gives her the setup in order to, like, make a comeback and become, like, a major pop star that everybody is obsessed with. Which I think she's probably, for the generation below us, like, the number one pop star. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, she is really so famous. Like, many times we've been like, we don't get Ariana Grande. We're too old. But yeah. she's really really famous. One of my favorite Jezebel posts was from December of 2014 when they asked, is Ariana Grande actually a baby? Because there's all these photos <laughs> of her being carried. Like, she was a baby. <laughs> Which was rude, but really funny. Yeah, that And also was... maybe Ariana Grande walk. And we should also, you know, the Ariana Grande then obviously... Has been involved in a lot of other, like, major celebrity stories as a result of being as famous as she is. Some very tragic, like the Manchester bombing. And also, um, she was in a relationship with Mac Miller. And then, uh, on the other side of just, like, the purely tabloid ridiculous, the whole Pete Davidson situation. Guys, don't get tattoos until your shirt's really gonna last. She has really, really been in the second half of this decade, really kind of been in the focus. And I I kind of honestly think that the breakthrough moment is donut Gate. I agree with you. Okay. Number three. Mm-hmm. Summer 2016. The Kim and Kanye Taylor tapes. Just a wild moment on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So if you recall, earlier in the year, Famous came out on Kanye West's album, The Life of Pablo. Mm-hmm. And he says, I made that bitch famous and that song. And Taylor Swift... Took issue with it. And also, I feel like me and Taylor might have sex. So, yeah. I, I made mean, that bitch famous. So he names her. Yes, yeah. he names her. And um, she was very mad at the time when it came out. And then, like, six months later, an episode of Cute on the Kardashians comes out where they show, allegedly, a phone call between Kanye West and Taylor Swift. You hear Taylor on the phone. You see Kanye on the phone. And she, it's, like, her, like, consenting. Allegedly, it's her consenting to what happened with that song. Like, acknowledging she knew about it and saying, it's okay, okay, fine. And then, as a result, like, social media went crazy. Mm -hmm. And there were snake emojis all over Taylor Swift's um, Instagram, like, calling her a snake, all the Kim Kardashian fans. And it it set off a a bad period for Taylor Swift. And, ultimately, for Kanye. It's kind of, it's, like, the last to me it's the not the last gasp but like the the last peak moment for all three of these people yeah because from the kim perspective it's so well coordinated she put the tapes on snapchat during a keeping up with the kardashians episode that was also about this controversy and about taylor swift being upset that she was named in the song so the, the kim has the ability to be in control of, like, several different platforms. Yeah, and it's, just, a, it's like, a multi-platform approach. Yeah, and it's just, like, she just had total control of the media narrative on, like, on all fronts, which I don't know that she she would have that anymore, whether she could. You know, it was the Taylor and Kanye thing being erupted again in a way when people still, like, really wanted to hear about it and were really invested in it. We were re-litigating a lot of things from 2009. And... It also gave us, I would like to be excluded from this narrative, One of the, which is in uh, Taylor Swift's note statement yes. on the issue, which is a, just a very important contribution to internet dialogue. Up there with conscious uncoupling. Certainly not yes. the same level, but a top five to 10 celebrity yeah. phrase of the year. And then I think because of this and because of the reaction that Taylor gets, it sends her really on a tailspin, and she has to go through the whole reputation album cycle, which is a real mess. It's not a good album. And and affects what kind of pop star she is and how people receive her music for the rest of time. And I think it, for Kanye, it kind of gets him back in the spotlight, and we're relitigating a lot of things, but can he handle that pressure, and what is how does he follow up with that? And also, he's still kind of entangled with Taylor Swift, which is not good for either of them. Right. So and I you know there're a lot of things that happened with Kanye and I'm I'm in no way suggesting that this is the only reason for them but it does put him in an interesting cultural space for the rest of the decade and we have not heard as much from any of them in a positive way anyway completely agree and I kind of think that their their dominance of pop culture starts to wane from this moment this is kind of it yeah i i agree with you definitely taylor swift has not recovered from this Mm-mm. and Everything that she does, there's sort of like receipts on it now. Like she used to be able to use her music to like have the final word. And now there's just like this receipt culture that she hasn't, she's not playing as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. I I guess it's a bummer. I don't know. It kind of makes me sad because I really like her music and she's hard to root for. But so be it. There's other heroes to fight for. I think it's all pretty fascinating from a celebrity sense. And I also think that if Taylor Swift wanted to make music that you and I are really excited about. She could very easily do yeah. that. I think she still has that ability. Instead, she's just decided to like be the Big Bang Theory of pop music and make stuff that that is a, you know appeals to a very broad audience. Yeah, and that's. You're right. I do really like Lover. I listen to it a lot. It's my top album of the year. So whatever. Okay, number two, a really important one, mm-hmm. me, absolutely major, mm-hmm. setting off a real trend of voyeurism for the rest of the decade. Mm-hmm. Beyoncé, Solange and Jay-Z this in the is, elevator after the Met two? Gala. Number 2. Okay. <laughs> Fine. We can it can be 1A. It's We'll do it at number 2, but when you guys hear number 1, you'll you'll <laughs> understand. This is a this is a list of preferences and enthusiasms. Sure. This number 2, the Beyoncé, Solange, Jay-Z elevator incident, May 2014. I think that this is the single most representative celebrity moment of I absolutely think the voyeurism of it is on un- yeah. just too perfect. I mean if you look through our list, so many of them involve video surveillance tapes, surveillance tapes and video of people doing stuff without their knowledge. Yeah. And us and, and receipts, but us like actually needing the video evidence yeah. in in order to believe it. So that's like a very big deal. This obviously just completely changes Beyonce's trajectory as a star and um and Jay Z's as well. My lord. But it, you get lemonade because of this and you get the way that Beyonce interacts with people. She has basically stops giving interviews or when she does give interviews, it's like the one she gave to Elle this month, which is yeah. just like Q&As with the audience. She becomes a lot more image focused and even more controlling, even though you're making a face of me right now, like you think she's always been like super controlling. Un- unintentional <laughs> face. I just know how you feel about Beyonce and the and the truth or aspects. Don't, don't put words into my mouth, Amanda. <laughs> Just Um, I think this is also maybe the height of TMZ. Yeah, definitely. Because they get the tape and they leak it and there weren't as many. Now, I don't even think you need TMZ because someone would just like post it on Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Like any video evidence that someone has comes to light through social media. Also, they paid someone to get the footage from like an, the official security camera. Yes. Is like the kind of thing that wasn't really discussed now at the time, but is now, like, really common practice and publicly known. Like, if you if you watch a Daily Mail video at the end that mm-hmm. says we pay for videos. Yeah. So that came into the light in, in a way. You know what I still am angry about? What? I, so there was a New Yorker piece about TMZ in 2015, which I think, like, is honestly, like, this happens. And mm-hmm. the New Yorker's like, we have to take TMZ seriously now. Yeah. But they report how much the video went for. Page six reported that TMZ paid $250,000 for surveillance footage. But the New Yorker adds, according to a former TMZ employee knowledgeable about the deal, the price was closer to $5,000. I thought it was less. I thought it was yeah. way less. Yeah. $5,000 is so low. Yeah. Just someone some, being like, oh, I got this footage. You want it? Yeah, I don't know. Ask for more, I guess. Totally. Totally. I think also um, her work got better after this. Mm-hmm. Like she just became a more impactful artist. So it was like a, a real turning point for for her. And it was smart to stop giving interviews because letting just like what she then gets to put out as her art is way more powerful than any of the interviews she could give. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. I think there's a lot of celebrities where you like, it's kind of cliche, but, like, you look at, like, these moments of transformation or sort of, like, conflict then leads to just more interesting work. And it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it also was a huge violation of uh, that I think they were really pissed about. They are definitely—it's transformational for all three people. Yeah. They all become a lot more intentional, I think, in their work and also in their relationship to the public after this, which I guess a lot of people did during this decade. But this is kind of, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z are sure. two of the most famous people that— we know so famous um, i feel like the last two years have have been like squandered in a way for them yeah i just feel like i just feel like the highs of lemonade were so high and then the coachella performance was like amazing i guess that was just a year and a half ago yeah that's but true i just feel like the netflix documentary that she put out almost like i would, I, I don't know i would have scrapped it it's just like it was such a legendary one-off well but I guess you make you make the money. You, you also give money. people access to it. Right. I was going to say is that, like, obviously the this, this stream of the Cotella performance was pretty great, but... Yeah. Um, is it still online? Well, no, because now you have the Netflix documentary, so you right. can watch that. And for everyone who can't be there, that has real value. And I still think about the the scene where she's like... I'm not gonna give new notes. Yeah, until, until until you get it right. Until I see my old notes applied, sure, which is A plus stuff. I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I agree that it's not like the most revelatory. It's super controlled. Yeah, that's what she does, and she, and has invented it. Um, I think I can't remember where I read it, but there was like an an interview for like year end, or end of the decade stuff where it's just about like pulling a Beyonce like became a thing. Mm-hmm. But basically, she like invented the like midnight unannounced drop with Beyonce. Yeah, in that was, I think, 2013. 13. Yeah. I think it's before this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. I loved that album, too. It was great. Good good work, Beyoncé. all those videos. Yeah. I also just have to say, I mean, this video, as you said, it's stolen footage and super invasive, but still just, like, really jarring to watch in terms of just, like, the visual power of what's happening. You're yeah. just like, oh, my God. Yeah. It is shocking. I think also that was the same year as the Ray Rice elevator tapes mm-hmm. of him um, assaulting his fiance at the time. Yeah. So it also was, like, Kind of, I just feel like that the concept of voyeurism, like, really would like smacked you over the head. Sorry, it's a horrible turn of phrase in this moment, but like that year, it just sort of became something that like, you couldn't ignore any longer. Yeah. And then the context was like, you're definitely you were seeing something that you were not supposed to yeah. be seeing. I think if this came out now, just because of the we're so used to people sharing so much on social media, and also for all of these things coming out, I wonder if it would be it would still be pretty shocking because Beyonce and Jay Z are so private, as well as famous. But I do think we are slightly more used to receipts at this point and visual evidence. I forgot they have twins until, like, this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't even know what they look like. We've seen, like, a couple photos that she selected and put in her concert. Yeah, and, and, like, like, that was a while ago. I'm like, they must have grown so much. It's interesting. You and I talk about how privacy is kind of, like, the ultimate luxury at this point and the fact that they are able to keep everything a secret and only share what they want to share is impossible for almost anyone else, certainly in the celebrity sphere, but I would also argue the world, if you have your location services on. Totally. So, and that does come out of this to an extent. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. P.S., Jay-Z's music back on Spotify. Well, that didn't work, that experiment. End of the decade. Yeah. Jay-Z has a gift for you. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, the number one of my heart, hopefully yours. (laughs) When Rupert Murdoch was testifying in Parliament, defending himself after the the Skynet hacks came to light, Wendy Dang sprung to his defense when someone from the gallery threw a pie in his face, and it totally disrupted the testimony It is one of the greatest moments I've ever witnessed and put Wendy Dang into a different sphere of, of celebrity woman and wife. And from that moment on, she's become uber famous beyond just being U- U- Rupert Murdoch's now ex-wife. And I will never forget where I was when I first watched this. Where were you? I was at work at my desk in San Francisco, and I fucking went crazy. And I had to shoehorn it into number one. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it was wild. It also, like, now is Succession. It puts so—it's just—it looms even larger. It anticipates a lot of things. It anticipates Wendy Dang's— outsized influence or adjacency to many of the decades or the centuries most important figures if we're counting Tony Blair, which we have no proof of, but I just wanted to remind everyone that that's a rumor. Great rumor. And it, it anticipates the, you know, it that was kind of like a reality show-ish thing. You're just like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. And what we expect from celebrities, outlandishness, drama, uh, things happening in front of your faces, and also, you know, uh, Rupert Murdoch being someone that who has too much influence over our lives. And also hacking. Yeah. So much hacking to come. That's a- true. After this. And secu- as you were saying about security and privacy. I mean, it was just so much. So it really became a major theme of the decade. Mm-hmm. And just tabloid culture has exploded over the last couple of years. And I mean, obviously... You know, I've traded Daily Mail from page six, which is really not much better ethically. But it, you know, again, like that's like a, something that Rupert Murdoch has has really driven. And it just was a wild, wild moment. I absolutely loved it. Thank it you for allowing me to put it in one. You're so welcome. <laughs> do you think that would happen now? That she would do that? Yeah. Well, is, are people gonna be throwing pies in hearings anymore? I feel like it's that's done. I don't know. That don't it know. was just so out of out of nowhere You're right. too. It's a succession moment. It was so wild and weird, and uh, I absolutely loved it. Just so absolutely absurd. I want to mention a couple other great ones from okay. the, from this decade. Rihanna curving Drake at the VMAs. That was fun. That was at a time when Drake needed to be taken down a notch, and he deserved it. I <laughs> that really, was great. I really enjoyed that. It is. Um I'm glad that you mentioned Rihanna because it would be weird to do a podcast about celebrities of the decade without talking about Rihanna. She's crushed it. Who is just letting her light shine and has figured out really kind of like a new way to be a pop star. I I feel like, you know, pop stars have always had deals and, um, you know, have been the faces of makeup or have had other side projects. That's not new. But like the scale at which she's done it and sure. the quality of what she's done it and just that she was able to pivot so easily and people are just so hungry for like literally anything that Rihanna is a part of. I know. And so many great songs. I've been listening to her and her all of her and Drake songs recently. Mm-hmm. Great collabs. Great stuff, guys. Highest celebrity approval rating currently? Yeah. Probably her and Lizzo. Yeah. But I yeah, I still have to think that Rihanna's... Rihanna's more famous for sure. Yeah. Yes, definitely really high. Personal highlight, not really relevant to the whole list, but the cast of Hamilton going to the White House is probably, like, one of my favorite days of the decade that I wasn't a part of. Okay. Just, like, so, so strong. Um, And David Geffen's yacht, The Rising Sun, which he purchased from Larry Ellison, just gave us so much. I also have Rising Sun Instagram on my personal favorite. It was just—it's nice to be a part of that. It's something that we all look forward to every year. It's like Christmas in July, literally. Totally. Or late July and August is prime yacht season, but— and my lastly, my favorite Daily Mail article was when they compared the two Kims in 2013, Kim Jong Un and Kim Kardashian, both of whom were skiing for ho- during holiday times, and they had like these side by sides, like age. It. it just was so it's so fucking bonkers and um, inappropriate, and like not funny given the context of Kim Jong Un. But he wasn't in charge yet; he was still just like a looming figure. Every the stakes were just lower mm-hmm. back then, but it was so funny. Yeah. The stakes so were funny. lower. I, I do think it's interesting that all of our events are 2016 and earlier. Way more pure fun back then. Yeah. Things were easier. It's true. We didn't have to worry about all of it being a statement about, you know, the future of America. Yeah. Um. What else? What else do you have? The, I don't know that this is a, a best moment. Mm. In fact, this is absolutely not a best moment. <laughs> and I think this person is not proud of it at all. But... Uh, Speaking of leaked footage, the Reese Witherspoon arrest tape. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's a thing that happened. Do you happened. know who I am? <laughs> Do you know I <laughs> to Happened in Atlanta, pretty near my parents' home, actually. Reese has certainly made a comeback from that as well. So that's good because you shouldn't behave that way. But that, that was really, I think that was 2013, I want to say. My goodness. I that can't was, believe it. It was very surprising. And I just also want to say that her... Her apology, I believe, on Good Morning America, really an all-time apology. She was just like, I really screwed up. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just, sorry. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. It's been—it's a it's a, a wild decade. So much has changed. It really has. Yeah. And yet, so many of these celebrities, they've, they've made it last the whole decade. Beyonce, Rihanna, Reese, they're still going strong. It's true. And they just transformed. They all have moved toward lifestyle. All three of those ladies. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I think that that is kind of where it's all going. Hence That's why it. unconscious comping is path. on my list. Either that or you become a royal. <laughs> That's it. Those are the options. That's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Before we wrap it up and look forward to a better and brighter 2020, let's mention some things we'd like to leave behind in this decade. As always, when it comes to things we're leaving behind and wishing well, you go first. <laughs> this, this one is an earnest one. Sure. I would like to leave behind, like, the upsetting meltdowns. There are some celebrity things where it's just, it's a nature of um, following people and also sometimes being too invasive into people's lives where, like, things aren't right. And you know that something's up and we're just kind of watching it happen. And I would wish for better healthcare and support for everyone, famous or not famous, and us to just get to talk about the fun celebrity stuff. I agree. I agree. That's where I am. I think, again, we've talked about him a lot. Kanye West, great example. Like, mm-hmm. in retrospect, Wiz wears cool pants, not that funny. Just everyone <laughs> walk away from Twitter. Yeah. And let's all stop looking at the car crash. Yeah, I th- which is hard. And, and yeah. I think we should all inter- continue to interrogate our roles in that. But, it, you know, it would be nice. I agree. You have another great one on this list that I wholeheartedly agree with. Tommy T. Tommy T. Get out of here. What I- are we doing? I also don't even want to have the backlash, Tommy T. Yes. Just no Tommy T. I don't want to hear about it anymore. We should know better. I Like, I don't understand why Instagram hasn't just banned these ads. They're trying to, quote, combat bullying and body positivity and all this stuff. Like, these are just scams. Yeah. Tommy T's elective. really I'll obvious. Call it what it is. Yeah. There's also, shakes that are similar. All of these products that are, like, instant fitness, like, that are certainly not FDA approved. Yeah. Like, get them off Instagram. I just, we don't need to be doing it. Completely agree. Another one that you mentioned. Yeah, and and this is related, but this is specific. The rivalry between Kanye West and Taylor Swift. I'm good. I've been through several rounds. We've all lived and died on the battlefield together. I'm done. We don't need to do this anymore. We're out. Goodbye. Similarly, I want to get rid of the, like, notion of a squad as, like, a group of friends in pop culture, Obviously peaked with Taylor Swift and her squad, which I think has since backfired on her. But like that's still like a thing, like the squad. And it's always said in a slightly like derogatory way. It's not like about like a nice group of friends. It's all it's, it's also about women. It's usually about women. Yes. And it's always trying to like, like demean and put together and dismiss. Yes. Yeah. And let's use some other phrases. And if they're worth dismissing and demeaning, I'm all for it. That's true. However, sometimes they are not. Sometimes a group, just a group of friends that have come together for, a, you know, a reason to either make a cool show or an album or support a cause, whatever it is. But let's use other words that are more descriptive and don't have like this weird stigma attached to it. Yes. To be clear, we're not outlawing friendship. We're just outlawing. No, spots. It is interesting not. also because you, and you wanted to leave behind in 2019 all the hangers on in yes. a group of people. <laughs> so I think... I, what you're, you're looking for, uh, like, a more A-list and independent celebrity <laughs> machine yes. in, in the next decade. And <laughs> I, I, I wholeheartedly support that. Like, there's some friendships I love. For example, I will not get tired of Michelle Williams and Busy Phillips together on the red carpet. Great stuff. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Similarly— the Big Little Lies gals. I don't think that's a squad, nor has it really been called one. They were like, we are professional women with a lot of clout in our industry, and we are making a TV show together. Thank you very much. Give us awards. Great stuff. Also support that. I so, do too. So it's not about getting rid of the friends and everything. It's yeah. just about like, let's be let's be real. And I, also use more descriptive words. A plus. I agree. Another one that I'd really like to leave behind in this decade is festival fashion like as retail. Yeah, like at H&M and at Forever 21 and, like, at the mall. Let's go further. How about festivals? Just out festivals? I'm I'm leaving them behind personally. I was never in front of them, but now only, they are behind me. I've only been to two, one this decade and one in the aughts. Neither was a particularly great experience. And uh, one was Lollapalooza, which is way better than Stagecoach because you could just, like, go to your home very easily. I was It was in Chicago. I was in Chicago, so it was great. But I agree with you. Like, festivals used to be, like, an obscure offline experience where it's like deadheads come together or fish people or you go to Bonnaroo or you go to Burning Man and it was not endlessly and breathlessly shown documented documented on social media. Exactly. It used to be about a personal interest and experience. And now it's just about the photos. It was experiential. And now it's just about the fashion and the photos. Instagram playgrounds. goodbye. Goodbye. I would like to leave you in 2019 festivals and your weird museums and like the every single wall on a street now has to be brightly colored so you can pose in front of it. No, go live your life and then Instagram it. Not like, the other way around. Seriously, like, there's nothing wrong with, a la- like, a latergram, you know? Oh, you did this, then you had a great time? That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. How nice for you to be looking at your photos yeah. a few days later. I would love to hear about your life and your experiences. I just don't want to see the same damn wall 45 times. And it's just, like, the commodification of festivals is really, is too much. I mean, of a lot of things. Perhaps but, it yeah. peaked with Firefest, Fest, as we discussed on yeah. last week's pod. Who knows? I, I I really don't know, but it's just... It's too much. That's a real apotheosis of the second half of the decade. It absolutely is. H&M festival wear. And all of the celebrities and everyone trying to be a celebrity by, like, wearing a weird
1: hat. The desert.
0: The desert used to be a place you went to do drugs and didn't want anyone to know about. Let's mm-hmm. return to those days. It's great. On that note, we will be back in 2020, hopefully, with a new slate of celebrities that we enjoy. Probably some old ones too. I mean, it's peak Oscar season. J-Lo and Brad Pitt, we are here. We can't wait. I really can't wait. In fact, the Golden Globes are on Sunday. They are. We will have a ringer dish recapping that, and we'll certainly touch on it in jam session. And there's so much to come in 2020. I'm looking forward to it. New decade, new us. Happy New Year to all.